We're a unique podcast for families of faith, produced by parents and pastors who understand and appreciate how hard it is to maintain your faith in a hostile culture. We're here to encourage and support you in the most vital role of all, parenting. If you're feeling overwhelmed and afraid, it's okay. You're not alone. Brilliantly Brave is hosted by two honest and engaging dads with nine kids between them. A road tripper, author, and pastor, Father Brad Mathias, and iShine founder, solo parenting expert, and all-around foodie, Mr. Robert Beeson. Join us each week as we explore and engage with some of the most intriguing, inspiring, outrageous, and awesome parents in the world. This is Brilliantly Brave. Well, welcome to Season 3 Finale with Brilliantly Brave Parenting. I am your co-host, Pastor Brad. Yes, you are, Brad. Yes, I am. <laughs> and I'm Robert. <laughs> it is so good to be here. It's been a great season. <laughs> so you're laughing because I went into my show biz voice. Yeah, a yeah. little bit. Yeah, a little bit. I, it, you know, when the mic goes on, right? The magic happens. The magic happens. That's right. Well, you know, Season 3 is one of those seasons where you know, you, you sort of, you're, you're walking through the interviews and you, you don't realize it, but suddenly you've done nine, 10, 11 mm-hmm. interviews and you're like, wow, that was an entire season. It went pretty fast. That's kind of how I felt this year. Uh, it went by really quick. We had some great guests, but it just seemed like because we recorded a lot of them in, in chunks, like we do three in a day or two in a day. And then before you know it, like, wow, we covered a lot of ground. There's some great episodes. Yeah, there are. And I know it's always hard when we look at these, you know, they're, there are multiple people that you're like, I really enjoyed that interview or that was, that was really fascinating and helpful. Mm-hmm. It's always hard to pick three, yeah. you know, and the producers like pick three. So, uh, for those that we didn't pick, you know, our apologies, like we had to pick three. Was, uh, you know, let's just say this, we, we picked you, but our producer told us not to pick you. So that's right. It's, it's the producer's not, fault. It's not our fault. And you can instant message or email us and we'll give, and you we'll give his address at the end. Yeah. Of yeah. And his cell number. Yeah. That's great. So, uh, this first know, one. Yeah, Phil Stacy. I mean, he like we knew we'd have fun with him. Absolutely, like, we knew that would be a good thing. But uh, you know, as we've gotten to know Phil, like you begin to realize that there's just this constant sort of elevation when you talk to him. He's mm-hmm. constantly kind of raising the bar a little bit, right? And um, as a Christian, as a parent, it's always good to listen to people who are really, really working hard at parenting. And uh, Phil kind of gave me that vibe after, you know, first of all, he called in from a, like a hotel in DC or something. Yeah. Um, he had slept like two hours and he still did the Skype call. Mm-hmm. Uh, you could tell he's committed to being a good parent. He is. And the thing I love about Phil is that his perspective on everything um, is different than probably a lot of people in the Christian circles because he came out as, as people might know um, from American Idol. And so his viewpoint is really, um, he's had the experience of, of living kind of in both of these worlds and seeing the media side from a secular point of view, knowing and loving people in that world, um, and also knowing his calling and knowing his place in the church. And so he brings a real fresh perspective, especially related to how are we as Christians engaging and and relating to what's happening in our culture. Yeah, I know uh, for me, as he was talking and I was looking over our notes, you know, this idea of flipping the questions on our kids mm-hmm. was kind of what emerged as the theme for this year, this interview with Phil. And it was this idea of of him putting his kids or allowing his kids to be in situations where they're confronted with the culture. Right. 
He wasn't sort of protecting them. It wasn't like bubble parenting. Right, because I think he's seen that, you know, I'm, we're not doing our kids any favors if we're just locking them in closets and not like letting them see that there's the real world. Because at some point, they are going to leave the house and they are going to have to deal with what's really going out there. And so better to do that when they're under our care than to just leave them to their own devices when they leave the nest, so to speak. Right. And it, you know, it's not a, it, the, the balance here is uh, for the parent is this isn't like um, taking risks with your kids. You know, this isn't just no. throwing them out there and saying, hey, man, swim. You no, know, I don't think, well, I know that's not what he's saying. Absolutely. And so what I love about it is the fact that he articulates in this interview, you know, what they're doing, how they're engaging the culture with their kids. And in particular, he gave the illustration of, you know, they know people who are gay. And mm-hmm. so they go to dinner at their house and they're trying to engage with them as a ministry, trying to reach out to them and show them the love of Christ. And they bring their kids with them. Right. So they're modeling how, exactly. we, how we act in this culture that may be contrary to what we believe or how we live. Doesn't mean that we shun them all and we just hide from people. It means that we go to them, we show the love of Christ, and we model that for our kids so they know how, and they're prepared to do that on their own. Yeah, and then he took the next step. Not only did he model it, but on the way home or the next day, they right. had a discussion That's as right. a family. Like, okay, so we don't believe the Bible's in support of that behavior, but that doesn't change the fact that we're to love people and that mm-hmm. we're to reach out to them and be in a relationship. So he not only modeled it, but then he went ahead and discussed it with them, and his point was he did it before someone else does. Exactly. I love that. And it all comes down to being really parenting deliberately, being deliberate about the things that we do and not just leaving things to chance. Yeah. Well, I mean, Phil's one of those guys who's as busy as anyone I know. Um, He's always doing something for the kingdom of God. If you are in the Kansas City area, you should look him up because he's a worship pastor. I mean, he's- Are you saying go to his house? No, you should go to his church. That, okay. That's definitely it. And so you can go to the Brilliantly Brave Parenting website, and you can find out where his church is and, and what he's up to, and you can follow him on Facebook or Instagram and just generally get an idea. I mean, a lot of the stuff that's cool about what we do is we're just bringing these people to the attention of our audience. Mm-hmm. We're not trying to exhaustively explain who they are or what they're about. We're just sort of teasing them a little bit, like this is who this might be. This could be someone you could really uh, follow. They may have books. They may have resources that you should get. It. If you like them, if they connect with you, if you feel like their, you know, their perspective is helpful, you can go a lot further than this podcast gives you. So that's, that, right. that's part of the part of what we're trying to do. Well, let's get into this interview with them. But I think a lot of parents, and I'll just use myself as an example, we approach parenting out of fear, and oh my, if they get Snapchat, that means X Y Z, blah 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 blah, and so I just shut it down, and I'm not even have this conversation. And I'm learning the further I go in parenting. That's not healthy. Doing anything out of fear is not healthy. But in a relational standpoint, um, putting my fear on top of my daughter and just assuming the worst can really, you know, it can really break down the relationship. So what do you guys do in your home to foster that environment where you can come and talk about things that are that you're either struggling with or questioning? Is it time to get Snapchat? Well, we've, um, we've had a policy of being very honest with our kids. I think I think transparency, honesty, um, maybe maybe to a fault. Like in our, in our home, like we've like we've done the whole. We we began sex talks when they're like children, like little mm. children. Like we're like I, I read some interview. Um, I think it was uh, it was either Trent Reznor or Marilyn Manson. I think it might have been Marilyn Manson who said, uh, you know, if if you don't want to raise your kids, I'm happy to do it. <laughs> 
and it, and, and it triggered something in my head because I believe we have an enemy. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and the Bible specifically says he's roaming about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Um, and I realized that I need to get to my kids first on every subject. Hmm. I want I want to be the first person they hear about sex from. I want to be the first person they hear about, um, you know, we're talking about like like gay marriage and society and all that stuff. I want, you know, we, we have a lot of friends who are gay. And, and so I've taken, I, even at, at young ages, I took them to, to our friend's house to eat, eat dinner. So we, so it would foster questions that we could, that we could begin to answer. Even when I think they're like, you know, nine and six years old. Hmm. Um, and, uh, that trust level, me trusting them with that, with that level of, of conversation, and I'm not trying to manipulate these kids. I'm just trying to offer from from a biblical perspective. But I, I will say um, that uh, when I was 12, my father set me down, and he basically just gave me permission. Like he was like, he was like, "Son, I'm rooting for you, and I want you to know something. As much as I want you to to believe everything the exact way I do, I also want to believe in faith that you're smarter than me." That you're going to figure things out that I haven't figured out, and in honesty, between you and Jesus, you're on your own. Hmm. And he he said, "I want you to seek God for yourself. I want you to own your relationship. Wow. That's great. With God. And and I'm going to help you in any way I can. I'm going to answer any questions that I possibly can. Um, and I'm going to support you. And I'm here. Um, but I want to encourage you to seek God. Yeah. So what what you and Robert are describing is a relationship with God. You're not right. talking about just there's this thing in the sky. You know, there's this this all-knowing, all-powerful being that's up there. You're actually introducing God into life for your kids, and you're, you're, you're asking them to wrestle with God in the real issues of life. I think that is the essential role of a parent. I mean, you know, we're modeling that. You can avoid it if you want to, but that's why we're here. We're we're here to navigate the difficult things. Honestly, the simple stuff, the simple day to day, they don't need us for anymore. Hmm. Not when they get to, to my kids' age. You know, I'm convinced that my my 14 year old is so enterprising that if if the zombie apocalypse broke out <laughs> and hmm. my wife and I were destroyed, I think my my daughter is is smart enough to figure out how to survive. Like like they they are very smart. You know, they have access to so much information that we didn't when we were kids. Internet didn't even, you know, get into homes till 95, 96 or whatever. And uh, and so we didn't grow up with the amount of information that's being pushed. I want to address uh, subjects with my kids like like faith, because, I mean, they're you know, my daughter's discovering there's a lot of people out there that don't even believe in God. This is my 11 year old now. Hmm. And she's like, well, you know, why do people not believe in God? And I'll turn it around and say, well, why do you believe in God? Hmm. Is is it because I told you that he's real? <laughs> you know, what what is what is your actual reason? We're, we're going to have these hard conversations before they go off to a secular college somewhere and a professor tries to talk him out of faith. Hmm. Uh, you know, I want her to have a reason. That's not my reason. It's her reason, you know. I think that's her, great. It's God who protects her, who who loves her, and personally, uh, yeah. Um, I think that's so true because you can you can push them away a little bit, but remember, each of us had to own our own faith as well. Yeah. Um, so there was times when we had crises of faith and moments where we were like, you know, I went through all sorts of different seasons. You know, I read the Quran. I read uh, I read a lot of different religious writings, and and just in my search of who God is. 
um, you know, there was there was something that brought me full circle to where you know I'm I'm your typical evangelical. I love Jesus, and you know, yay, you know. Right. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but this is my journey, and and this is a journey that Jesus and I have been on together. And uh, and I don't believe in God just because my grandpa was a preacher, kind of thing. You know, mm, right? We so, don't get out of that. As, I, as hard as that is, that's that's parenting. It's the tough stuff. <laughs> yeah. It is. I think Robert and I are in, firmly in your camp. Uh, we we would say many times uh, in these interviews and in our own conversations that you know there is a, a necessary sort of wrestling for faith to be owned by our kids, uh, for them to actually grab it and take it, rather than for us to behavior modify. And I think that's an important distinction that you made, Phil. Is that you know our kids. In, in our day, when we were kids, our, our parents didn't need to teach us some of the fundamental practical things of living. Nowadays, I, I was walking around a mall yesterday. I was in Chattanooga, and my stepson, who is 14 years old, we were standing at a Baskin-Robbins counter, and he's like, do you know the difference between assets and liabilities? And I said, yeah. And he said, well, do you really? Because a lot of people consider their asset to be their house, but really that is a liability until you turn it into, I mean, he just like had this, it's just 14 years old because he's reading this rich dad, poor dad book or whatever. And so I, just, I know exactly which child you're talking yeah, about. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So, <laughs> the stockbroker. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. he's, have you watched the penny stocks this week kind of thing? It just, you know, the Bitcoin did blah, 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 blah. Anyway, so that's all kind of covered. And maybe we as parents are still trying to parent those things. When there's actually an opportunity to focus on deeper things, on character and modeling and, and asking the question. I think that's great. You flipped that question yeah, with your daughter. That's like, great. You know, there are people that don't believe in God. Why don't they believe in God? And then to flip it and say, well, why do you believe in God? And help help them kind of figure figure that out. I think that's a really important distinction because our kids do have access to so much information on the practical side of living now, way more than they probably need. But it's this character heart stuff that is lacking on the internet and that they are only going to find that in relationship and the primary relationship being parents. So I think that's a really important distinction to make. I'm glad you made that. I appreciate that, man. (laughs) You know, you do things, sometimes they're stupid and sometimes they're not. And here's the cool thing is that, and I love the title of your podcast, the brilliantly brave, because as we're talking, I'm like, you know, there's gotta be somebody who's listening to this conversation. Who's not really addressed these subjects and they're like, oh, no, have I messed up? Have I jacked up? And um, the truth is, is that in parenting, here's what it takes to be a good parent. This is my belief. All it takes to be a good parent is to want to. Hmm. You just got to want to be a good parent. You know, if, if you want to be a good parent, like genuinely want to love your children and to and to help guide them and nurture them and all that stuff. I think it, it, it somewhat comes naturally. And I, I'll, none of us are going to be immune from from mistakes or forgetting to talk about a subject. We can't cover every subject. Mm. Um, but, uh, you know, one of the reasons I love, you know, what you're doing and, and you know, what a lot of authors and, and organizations have done to assist parenting is that it does give us the ability to educate ourselves and and get a little bit better at, at, at what we do. You know, we, we work, we, we research what we want to know. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, you know, if we want to be a better musician, we take lessons, or if we want to be a better programmer, we buy, you know, books or courses on programming. Um, you know, I think parenting is our most crucial and important role that we'll ever have. Yeah. That's me. Personally. Yeah, absolutely. Agreed. You know, as a pastor, I'm a pastor at my church. I'm a worship pastor, but my primary job is to pastor my, my family. My wife, my children, um, 
And uh, I want to be better at that than anything else. Um, it doesn't mean I'm going to be great or whatever, but it, just the fact that I want to be with kids, man, um, they're so forgiving, especially if you acknowledge, you know, that you want to be, you want to be there for them. Mm. Um, I think at that point, maybe, maybe that's what I've done, Robert, uh, to, uh, to foster that environment where we can have those conversations, those difficult conversations is to let them know I may not be perfect, but I want to be, mm-hmm. <laughs> I want to be the dad you deserve. I want to be the dad that God has called me to be, and I'm going to work at it. I'm not just going to lackadaisically just exist in this role. I'm going to work and try to be good. You know, the next discussion is artists that you've known for many years. I mean, we're not trying to make this about artists this season, but it did turn out that we interviewed several Christian artists, and and Tiffany, also known as Plum, uh, turned out to be this incredibly engaging woman yeah um a mom like yeah. i felt like i was talking to a mom not an artist that's right and and then i loved that i love the fact that we were able to kind of see into her life during this interview she wasn't hiding she wasn't she wasn't pretending that she had her stuff totally dialed in she was being a very authentic real mom that our audience can connect with and understand and and appreciate. I agree. And I think the thing that, that I love about Tiffany, I've known her for a very long time, did the first couple records with her, um, is that this is a change for her. Because when she started, admittedly, she was more performance-based and more kind of playing the roles that we do in Christian music. Sometimes in public, we have to put on a persona. It didn't mean that her faith wasn't real. It just meant that sometimes the the way we perceive ourselves or we let others perceive us is not is not in concert with exactly who we are. And so we can tend to start living and believing the perception rather than what's really going on. And so what happens in many people's lives is they reach this breaking point where life gets hard. And she has had some really difficult things that she's had to deal deal with, which brought a great fresh perspective to her on what's really important. You know, we talked about the fact that music and her ministry, her calling, that is important. But what she's really meant to be is a mother and a wife. And that can get out of whack sometimes for all of us, whether it's a, a professional musician or a pastor. I mean, if we are not centering and focusing first and foremost on our family, it can be dangerous. Man, that was well said. Um, you know, one of the things that we we talked about with her and, and became the title of the podcast is this idea of being faithful in the now. Mm-hmm. I know uh, it is very difficult to labor with excellence in a in a job or a position where no one notices yeah you know it's really hard to give it your best and do your you know yeah there's no acclaim for like loading the dishwasher there's no crowd there's no audience right right it's just you performing uh the tasks and service of being a parent or a mom or a dad um but that's where real yeah that's where real transformation real molding people's lives happen it's not the scene it's not on stage it's not in whatever our vocation is. It is in those one-on-one situations with our kids where we have the ability to shepherd them in a direction that that we believe and we know that God wants them to go in. And people don't see that. And so I think it's great that she has seen both worlds. She's out in the public eye, but she's bringing some awareness to the fact that what really matters is the things that are not seen, being faithful in the now. 
Yeah, so if you're a mom and you're finding yourself a little dragged down by life, uh, just maybe a little burned out or tired or, or feeling like what you're doing isn't going to matter, uh, this could be a podcast that could really lift you up and encourage, strengthen, and support you. So without any further ado, let's hear from Tiffany. Well, God help me. Just those three words is a prayer I've taught my kids to pray when they didn't know what else to pray because we want them to pray. They don't always see us pray. They don't always hear us pray. And we just sort of by osmosis kind of think that they'll learn how to communicate with the Lord. And they have fears and they have concerns and they have worries um, that are completely valid. And I don't want to discredit ever or discount their emotions. And so I've just, since they were little, have just said, well, just say, God, help me. If you don't know, just say, God, help me. And tried to let them see me say it at times. But found myself saying it more often over the last year and a half or two. Um, I was out on the road with Big Daddy Weave, and when I went out with them, I used their band. That was the first time in my career I hadn't taken my whole crew. I was really insecure, didn't realize how insecure I would be. Um, I thought when my marriage had imploded and and had rebuilt, I had dealt with a lot of, of my uh, pride got out there and realized there was a lot of pride I was still dealing with. So there's pride and insecurity and just asking God to help me with my anxiety about that. And I was gone a lot more than I'd ever been um, consistently with touring. And so I had a lot more anxiety and depression. Um, those are things I also struggle with. And so I was finding myself saying this prayer that I've told my kids to say. And so one on one of my trips home, we had like a 10 day on, 10 day off schedule my middle, Oliver, had chest pains, and he they were as sincere. I heard the strange sound from the back of the car, like a, <gasps> and I kind of glanced back, and he's holding his chest, and he's saying under his breath, God help me, God help me, God help me, God help me. And I'm trying to pull over and trying to talk to him, and as I finally get the car parked, I turn around, and he looks up at me, and he goes, it worked. <laughs> and I said, what, buddy? And he goes, well, those you'd said to say that. And I did, and it worked. And it turns out he wasn't having a heart attack. He was actually having something similar to what you have growing pains in your legs and his ribs. They had did this whole mm. exam over him because I was kind of nervous about what was going on. And um, But in his moment of real fear, like before he could even say mom or anything like that, he was saying, God help me. And so kind of going back to how that inspired me to, you know what, I need to write a song called that. Because from a little child up into a grown adult, whether you're struggling with anxiety or depression or fear or whatever it is, having that prayer that you can just simply say, just his name, um, was kind of the, the motivator to write the song. But that line came from, I was sitting in service at church, and the pastor, I completely forget now what he was talking about, um, our pastor Dave, um, but I sat there and I was wrestling in my heart with some stuff. Um, I had several different friends going through some horrible marriage stuff um, on the opposite sides of the fences on both sides, one where the husband had left, one where the life, wife was leaving, one where another wife was struggling with just temptations. And, and, we're, and having gone through a marriage crisis and coming through that, we are sometimes a magnet for those stories of like, hey, right, Tiff, sure. I want to talk to you about this. And so... All of that kind of just was sitting in my lap in, on that Sunday, and I was like, you know what? Sometimes you don't want to be alone with the Lord. You don't want to be quiet with Him because that chaos and that noise and those distractions sometimes pull us away from Him, which isn't good. 
but it keeps us from having to hear him say, I want you to stop mm. when you don't want to stop, or I want you to stay when you really want to go. I want you to, you know, I want to sit still, but God's going to tell me to move. Like if I sit here in this silence and I really hear you, you might ask me to do something I don't actually want to do. Mm. And even though I say I trust you and I want to trust you, do I trust you? Mm. And so all those those stories were just kind of swirling in my head from my own to my friends, um, to my son. And so the lyric literally came so quickly sitting there. And my friend, Christy, literally nudged me. And she saw what I was writing, and it had nothing to do with the service. And she was like, what are you doing? And I said, shh, I'm writing a song. <laughs> and, um, you know, months down the road, when I had her come by the studio, she actually sang gang vocals on a song that's on the record. Um, on a song called Human, but when she was in the studio, I said, remember that day you elbowed me and you were like, you're not even writing about what Pastor Dave's talking about. I said, that's what I was writing. I said, those <laughs> lyrics came to me because I was just sitting there and it was like, what would you ask of me? If I sit here in this silence and I really hear you, what are you going to ask of me? Because I don't, I don't know that I want to listen to you. Right. And so God help me. Like, okay, like just cut through the noise, cut through the, the you know, whatever and just say his name and ask for his help. Because you it's like in your mind and your heart, you do trust him. But when you don't feel strong enough to trust him, say his name and ask him to help. And mm-hmm. I mean, he says in Psalms 120 verse 1, like, I cried out to the Lord in my distress or my despair, and he answered me. And the only reason he can answer you is because he's listening. He's always listening. And so there's a confidence that I do have, although I don't always feel, you know, brilliant and brave and confident. But it's like I do have a confidence that he is always listening and so that was just my, and I thought, if I write this song for anyone else but myself, like, it has already been helpful to me. Mm. Um, and so for God to be using it in other people's lives is just icing on the cake. And so I did, I really wrote it from a real personal place of, like, those three words. So That's awesome. Yeah, thanks. I mean, I'm, I'm listening to you talk, and there are, there are so many people who feel like they're supposed to do something with their life. Like they have a talent, like they can sing, they can write, they can perform. And they're feeling this sort of nudge, like I'm supposed to write a song or I'm supposed to perform uh, music for my church. This doesn't just happen, what you just did. Like you wrote a lyric, you connected it with your heart, it came out, now there's a, a hit on radio. Walk us through the steps. What does it look like for someone who's sort of waking up to the fact they might be called to be in music like you are? How did you get to where you are today well, in five minutes or less? Yeah. yeah. Um, it's funny that we're sitting here with Robert Beeson. Yeah, it is funny. <laughs> um, but before, long before, I mean, Robert met me when I was 20, but long before that, when I was three, I sang a duet in church with my dad. And I was standing in front of the you mirror. You were three years old? Well, it was it was a pretty janky duet. I'm pretty okay. sure it sounded pretty, pretty lame. That's pretty um, awesome though. But pretty. I just, I was apparently, I mean, I don't remember being one and two, but around three, I start to have a memory. Um, but that I was always singing hairbrush in front of the, you know, mirror trying to do that thing. And so he was just singing on a Sunday. My dad, if he was sitting in the room right now, I'd say he's not this great singer. He's a kind of a choir sounding, you know, singer. that's no discredit to excuse me anyone in a choir because i feel like that could have just come out the wrong way um but he just said you know (laughs) you like that might have come out (laughs) yeah might have come out the wrong way um so to all of you choir singers who are amazing congratulations my dad is not one of you um he (laughs) just you know he just just liked to sing in the choir and so it was a small church in indianapolis and he was going to sing on a sunday so he brought me along and 
he had the guy at the house, in the front of the house, um, mute his vocal in the house when we got to the chorus, but kept both of us in the monitors so I could hear him singing with me, but the audience could only hear me when I got to the chorus, because at three, I knew how the chorus went, but I couldn't remember all the verses. And so, um, the blood that gives me strength from day to day, it will never lose its power. That's the song that we sang. And um, a guy named J.D. Richardson came up to me afterwards, and it felt like he came up to me every Sunday, which I'm sure he did not. But for years, um, this older gentleman in our church would say, when are you going to sing again? And I loved how I made him feel. Like, it made me feel good to know that I made him yeah. feel like that. And I was like, I just love singing. Singing's just so fun. And so any chance to sing, um, whether it was church, school, <clears throat> in my community, a coffee shop. Um, my parents helped with a homeless ministry for a while. I would sing there. My mom was a part of um, a women's ministry in our community that whenever there was a, a a month where they didn't have any entertainment, well, Tiffany, could you sing? Could you just come and bring your little tracks and sing something? for? Okay, sure, Mom. And so, um, I mean, I sang in roller skating rinks. I mean, I was really, <laughs> I was quite the roller skating rink. You know, I'm just kidding. That's a joke. Um, <laughs> Robert, but Robert is too. I <laughs> I sang anywhere and everywhere, just, you know, that there was a need. Nothing professional, nothing great to speak of. And um, at the very, towards the end of high school, I recorded like a custom project that were all original songs, but they weren't mine. Um, there was a songwriter that was connected to another songwriter that kind of put this thing together and said, hey, she's got a great voice. Um, I think his sister was my youth pastor's wife. And there was just, it was like a very random way to connect this but oh this girl in your youth group has a good voice maybe we could so i sang these songs in the studio and just got some studio experience which was fun and then i had they let me like take this little cd and i would have it whenever i was going to go sing somewhere i was not just singing tracks of songs you'd heard these are some original songs as well and so i'm 16 17 um and then bill gaither's son had um, a band that had two backup singers in it one was married to a guy that my parents' family knew, and it was really, I mean, it really is kind of crazy. If you're listening to this and you're wondering about how this all happens, it really is just a step-by-step-by-step -by -step -by -step doors of opportunity of you just being faithful sometimes, and sometimes God just being really gracious and merciful and, and His providence working through some things that I had nothing to do with, but um, asked me to sing backup for them by way of her husband, and that led to singing backup for some other artists. And then I would come to Nashville for rehearsals and then, oh, why don't you sing in the studio? Um, So-and-so needs a demo sang or some background vocals on this record. And I literally got a voicemail at my apartment on a real answering machine with a tape in it. Um, and it was a guy named Robert Beeson leaving me a message from Essential Records. And I was like, I don't even know who that is. And the guy in my living room, his name was Adam, um, Adam Anders, who's hmm. now like yeah. Glee. Glee guy was standing in my living room and he said, that's Jars of Clay's label. And I was like, oh, they must need backup vocals for something. And so I came to this the, the label to meet with Robert, assuming that's what that meeting was about. And he was like, I love your voice. And the rest is kind of history. Like it started from a real professional standpoint, the door swung wide open there. And I really feel like without realizing it, when I was singing at a homeless shelter or a roller skating rink, you know, my mom has said on record that I think God was seeing if he could trust you with a roller skating rink before he would trust you with an arena. And so when all that kind of came to be, it was like, whoa, I, I don't even know. And so Plum really 
Robert Beeson is a huge part of the inception of Plum because it was like, well, what kind of music do you listen to? Okay, well, here's some things I listen to. Here's some things I like. Well, have you listened to this new record? Have you listened to that? And he was trying to help me find my voice. I never felt like Robert was like, I want you to be the next so-and-so or Christian version of this. Like, I just really love your voice. I love you. Let's just find out what your thing is. And mm -hmm. so I kind of had to find out what that was in front of everybody. So it's like, let's do this female-fronted band thing. And okay, well, the band members are kind of swapping out here and there, but I, I actually can write a song. I didn't know that I could really write a song. Okay, well, let's keep doing this. And so the Evolve is, you know, here today. You know, I, I, I know this is controversial. We talked about it even before we did this recap show. Uh, Thaddeus. You know, he's a counselor. He's a he's an expert. He has a master's degree in counseling and therapy. He's a very brave man. He is a brave man. And so he just, you know, when we first talked about it, I mean, before the season began, I, I remember talking with you about it, and you're like, do we want to do this? You know, is this is this a risk we want to take? And, and the risk is that we're not politically correct necessarily. Mm -hmm. Like, we could be upsetting some really, really, you know, vocal people in our culture. Right. Um, so we didn't do this to upset people, and we didn't do this to cause a fuss. What we did is we tried to engage parents with issues that they're going to have to wrestle with at some point, mm -hmm. whether it's directly in your family or it's a friend. It's going to be an issue that you are confronted with in the near future, and that's the idea of same-sex attraction. That's right. I mean, there's no there's no getting around it, and it doesn't matter really what – well, it does matter what side you're on from a, just a biblical standpoint. But what doesn't matter is, um, what is irrelevant is the fact that these are people that are struggling with something that, um, that we as Christians need to know how we engage them, how, whether they're kids, whether they're just friends, whether whatever it is, we need to make sure that we are wrapping everything, every bit of our approach in the love of Christ that he has for broken people, because we're all in the same category when it comes to that. And so this I think the thing that scares people is that a lot of times we as Christians feel dragged into the us and them kind of conversation. And um, that is just an unhealthy posture to take when when you're talking about trying to reach the lost or reach people with the love of Christ. The us and them mentality of I'm right, you're wrong. I mean, look, we're all wrong. We are all sinners. We are all very capable of making terrible mistakes. And so I think the thing that I love about Thaddeus is that when I said he was brave, I really mean that because this is a very difficult this is a very difficult topic to discuss. I personally don't feel like I can even discuss. I'm I'm not an expert in this area. All I'm an expert in is knowing that people need love, regardless of what side. But Thaddeus is an expert in this area, and so I think his guidance in how to deal with having these conversations about same-sex lust, as he calls it, um, and I think it's interesting. He he said same-sex attraction. He doesn't even like talking about like it framing it that way because we're attracted to people of the same sex. I mean, it's just we're friends. It's when it turns into lust that that it becomes a problem. So I I think that's an interesting that's an interesting distinction. And I and I'm like I said, without the expert opinion of someone like Thaddeus, it's it's hard to kind of wrestle with this stuff on our own. Yeah, and I, I was listening to the entire interview and and remembering it from that pastor's perspective. So not not just as a parent, but as a pastor, 
if you're listening uh, and you're, a, you're an audience member to this podcast, I would encourage you to go and listen to this particular interview with Thaddeus Hefner because it's going to give you some insight into uh, some of the struggles and the processes that people are working through uh, with same-sex lust. Mm-hmm. And the similarities between someone struggling with sexual addiction whether it's homosexual or heterosexual, is the same. Exactly. It's the same process. And so to hear a counselor, uh, a therapist, from a really solid Christian perspective, really bring that to the to your attention. Like, okay, these these are the same struggles. You you are equipped to sort of step into that because mm-hmm. this is the same thing that any uh, member of your church or per- parish might be struggling with. And so for me, as a pastor, I'm looking at this going, okay, my job isn't to confront someone with uh, an attack on a lifestyle. My job is to introduce them into Jesus Christ. And so by introducing them into Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit, there is a, there's a process of transformation that occurs that I can encourage and I don't have to attack someone. Mm-hmm. That's right. And so as, as a pastor, I would encourage you to consider listening to this, maybe even reading some of the books that, that Thaddeus recommended in this study you know, this this interview and really exploring this topic a little bit because I think it's going to take the church becoming a safe place for people to come with questions for us to impact culture. That's one of the reasons I wanted to do that interview. Couldn't agree more. So without uh, further discussion, here's Thaddeus. Um, one of the things we said before we got on the air was that a lot of people don't come forward and even say that they're dealing with this. Right. Because they feel so much shame. Um, I wonder if you'd kind of unpack that a little bit, just to basically set the tone for the parent that's listening that's feeling like, I, I've never admitted to anybody that I'm wondering if my husband is dealing with this. Right. Because I feel so ashamed. Right. What would you say to that mom or wife? Sure. And I would also include in that group, not just the women that are wondering, but the women who know. Right. Because mm-hmm. it's come up or yeah. it's come. Yeah, yeah, but they just haven't had right. a place to go with that. Right. And so usually women feel very isolated. The reason why I can talk about this today is I do um, a wives healing group mm-hmm. in which um, I've worked with women directly in small groups around this topic. Um, so, and typically what they're, what they're they're um, presenting with is a lot of shame. They feel very close to the, if you will, to the bottom rung of the ladder in the church, mm-hmm. and they can't say anything, or they feel like they can't say anything, um, and so they carry a lot. They're carrying their husband, and they're carrying their own pain and wounding, mm-hmm. and then some of the other characteristics or the stories they tell themselves would be, um, am I not beautiful enough? Uh, Did I do something wrong? Am I not enough overall? Um, How do I compete with a man? Mm. And so that's often what they're carrying and feel, and they also feel like they have no outlet um, to even share this uh, because they're going to be rejected or any number of stories they're telling themselves of that, of the outcome if they do share it. Um, And, and so they're carrying that by themselves often and what they don't realize is and and where i try to where i try to work with women and getting them to understand that um they're this actually i want to be careful as i say this so uh, this actually has nothing most of the time i can't say 100 percent of the time 
Most of the time it has actually nothing to do with them. However, it's going to affect them. Mm. Obviously, how could it not? Right. So they're going to feel all the pain and the shame and the consequences and the broken trust. And they should uh, feel pain and anger and sorrow and grief. Uh, however, those I'm, I'm speaking more to the questions they're asking themselves of, am I not enough? Did I do something wrong? Right. Because their husband was probably more than likely struggling with unwanted same-sex loss long before they ever met their wife. Mm. So how could it then have anything specifically to do with her? Like She didn't do anything wrong. It's right. not that she's not pretty enough. It's not that she's not loving enough. So m that's basically... The groundwork the, was laid long before. Very much so, yeah, absolutely. And one of the things that you said off-air before we started recording was, and sometimes it doesn't present itself even before the wife is involved or the, the woman is involved, it doesn't, it doesn't present itself as same-sex lust all the time. It, it can come from something else. It can escalate. Escalate, yeah. that's the word. Sure, there for. are men in 12-steps, um, like uh, Sexaholics Anonymous, 12-steps mm -hmm. uh, that started out with an addiction toward, toward objectifying women mm -hmm. and using pornography, and then that may have escalated to uh, actually uh, acting out with women um, in reality and um, having affairs or one night stands and then the addiction can continue to escalate in their isolation and there are men who you could meet them in an essay meeting they have they'll share their story that some of those men have started uh, acting out with men but even they uh, I, I can't say for sure all of them but many of them would never identify um, as gay because they're doing that it's just the the um, escalation of the addiction itself mm. so there in fact um there really what i work with just to touch on men for a moment um, when they're dealing with same-sex lust most of the time what i'm seeing is a lot of detachment attachments of fancy psychobabble word for love connection friendship it could be romantic love could be friendship parental uh familial love parental child uh so they're very detached, especially from masculinity, even their own masculinity. Mm. And they have very low uh, need fulfillment. Um, or, what does that mean? Or, or no need fulfillment. So we all have on Maslow's hierarchy of needs, right? We all have, we need water, food, shelter, gas money for mm. our car. Um, beyond that, once we, once that's all taken care of the foundation, now I need affirmation, approval, acceptance to know I belong, to know uh, men see me as a man. Um, that's usually what I'm working with with men. And they're so afraid of being rejected by men that they will connect uh, it, the methods unhealthy, obviously, but they, mm -hmm. they'll, they'll try to connect through pornography with men that way. And anyone outside of it looks at that and says, oh, well, are they gay or mm. are they LGBT and they just don't know it or they're not admitting it to themselves. But most of the men I work with would say, I don't want to do that. And I actually don't even want to go and do what I'm seeing in the video mm. or in the picture. And it begs the question, okay, then what are you really struggling with? Mm -hmm. And they really do love their wives. Right. Um, and, and so, and they're, they're feeling shame. They don't know how to tell her if they haven't told her, uh, right. prior to the marriage. Um, so I may have gotten off a little bit in the weeds No, that's there, good. And, and so what would you tell them, the the wife that, you know, doesn't know exactly how to handle this, that either she knows or she suspects that her right. husband's dealing with this? I'm, I'm sure there are some, I think you already said, that it's nothing to do with you. 
Right. What are some of the things that that she can do in the home to start? What would you recommend? I mean, obviously, get in touch with you. That would be great. Or sure. come to one of the weekends. But just yeah. someone that you know is in Australia right now and is not going to come to Franklin. Sure. Are there things that you can say? This is this is a way to start helping you in your home. Sure. At least frame who you are. Right. First of all, I'd say take the issue or the topic off the table for a moment. Put any other marital issue in there that could be explosive or that we're having issues with. Um, uh, with each other. And I say that just to express, what does your communication look like in the marriage? Are you talking? Are you actually being honest with each other? Mm-hmm. Are you avoiding each other? Right. So if you took this issue off the table, put any other issue in there, you're going to be dealing with the same kind of uh, stress level and probably hitting a wall with each other. Now put the issue of unwanted same-sex lust back on the table and bring communication back into it. So first of all, how's your communication in your marriage? Are you talking? Are you actually listening to each other? Mm. Or are you trying to make excuses? And that goes for both, because it takes two to argue, right? It takes mm-hmm. two to have a conversation. But so first and foremost, communication. Um, get to the bottom of it with your with your husband. Um, and um, perhaps bring in a counselor, marriage family therapist or a counselor. Um, that. That's got to be so hard for a mm-hmm. wife to do ha, to create a safe place where a husband would actually admit to or like how do you how do you start that conversation? Sometimes it's a train wreck because mm-hmm. women are reacting rather than responding. Who could blame them? I'm yeah. not. That's not a judgment. It's right. just because um, they're so upset. And so, in, if you're in that, if you find yourself in that place, I'd say, you know what? If you can take get take else. a step back, take a breath, get some support. Support can be tricky because if they're getting support prior to talking to their husband, that brings in the element of what you shared some with somebody else about me, uh, yeah. and so. Um, which, you know what, if she needs to do that, she needs to do that. Um, mm. However, if you can talk about that with your spouse first, eventually I would encourage her, if, let's say we're at that stage where, okay, it's out now, uh, we're talking about it, and she is going to need her own support. Mm-hmm. And so, But I would still talk to the husband about that. And who are one or two safe women um, that you can go and talk to that aren't going to throw stones at your husband, that you know, if you want your marriage... To move forward, then um, you need people that are going to not just support you, but support the marriage, mm-hmm. um, because we're all broken in our own ways, right? So even she has her own brokenness that she brings to the table, right. and so that's what I would say is, uh, if she can get support from one or two safe women, and by safe I mean trustworthy and mature, <laughs> uh, right? You can be yeah. trustworthy and not mature. Uh, mm-hmm. So uh, make sure you talk to even your husband about that and let him know this is what I need and here's who it's going to be. And so it, it doesn't send him spiraling like, oh my goodness, and uh, he's going to take new shame messages on because now these people know. And, and then of course there's going to be his work that he has to do. All right, Robert. That is the end of our top three, I guess, the finalists of uh, season three. Mm-hmm. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. <laughs> Robert's smiling, big, big smile. I just, I think it's funny when you, you're wearing a trucker hat and you get into this radio announcer voice, it's just not consistent. Like there's some kind of that, that just, if you could be yeah, me but, now. Yeah, but my socks are normal. 
My socks are normal today. No, they can't be. You They're always black. wear like purple socks. They're black socks. Orange socks with the yellow stripes. Is, the point is that I had a smirk on my face because you go into the radio announcer voice, which is actually a good radio announcer voice. It's just inconsistent with your look. So, yes, it has been a great season. Look, I had it, you know I had a mentor for that. Did you? I did. Brian Harden. Have you ever heard his voice in real life? And then you go to the Day of the Audio Bible, it's like yeah. sexy voice. Mm. Are you saying that your voice is sexy? Or not deal like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Really? That was more Kermit. But yeah, yeah. I, I wouldn't I wouldn't admit that. Well, Brad. you give me your sexy voice. Come I'm on. not going to give you my sexy voice. Do you have a sexy voice? I have four. Oh. <laughs> well, season four is going to be interesting. I can tell right away. Awesome. <laughs> nice segue. Uh, well, you know, thanks for, for real, in sincerity. We appreciate our audience, and we wouldn't be here if it wasn't for you. So if you've benefited, been encouraged, uh, laughed, whatever you've done with this podcast, we appreciate you. Please share us uh, with your friends and anyone that might benefit, and we will see you right here, back at this same place uh, for season four. Thanks, y'all. Parents, remember, even if you may not feel brilliant or brave, you are. For God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. And I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed. I am convinced that he is able to guard until that day what has been entrusted to me. 2 Timothy 1, 7 and 13. This podcast is a service of iShine Ministries and the Tween Gospel Alliance, all rights reserved. Donations to Brilliantly Brave are tax-deductible at iShineLive.com. Review and subscribe to this podcast on SoundCloud, Stitcher, iTunes, or on our webpage. And read our blog and connect with us at WordPress at BrilliantlyBrave.com. Thanks for joining us for another episode of Brilliantly Brave. iShine is a faith-based ministry and media company that looks and feels a lot like a Christian version of Disney. iShine is more than entertainment. We're the producer of the largest Christian tween TV series in the world, a nationally syndicated radio show, a Nashville-based record label, host to multiple live tours and summer festivals, an interactive website and social media, and a provider of printed and digital devotionals, preteen Bibles, and church curriculums. But more than anything, we're a trusted Christian resource for parents and pastors. You can turn to us for all things tween. Check us out at iShineLive.com.